Okay, praise the Lord. <coughs> Amen, everybody doing well? Thank the Lord. Good to see everyone. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good to have Don back with us today. Hello, Don. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, I want to talk about the um, body of Christ somewhat today. And um, we're going to start off with that. But first of all, before we start, I want to open up in prayer. <coughs> Cedric, would you uh, do that for us? <laughs> Thank you, Brother Cedric. Praise the Lord. Uh, we are a body of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that somewhat this morning, the Lord willing. I know you're waiting to get to Revelation, but it's been a while, so we're just going to do what the Lord leads us to do, amen, and just be directed by God of what he has us to share and to say. Uh, as a body of Jesus Christ, we, we know that Jesus is the head of the body, and we are members one of another, uh, needful by one another. And when we meet together, it's not just about, um, there's somebody walking around out there, honey. Oh, oh okay. All right, good. Okay, uh, so I didn't know if somebody was having trouble finding their way in or something. But uh, we're a body of Jesus Christ, him being the head and us being the members of Christ. And therefore, it's not just about one man. Um, there, there are gifts that the Lord has given to the body in Ephesians 4, pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers for the perfecting of the ministry. So I want everyone to participate. I want there, If there's needs this morning, we want to meet those needs. We, uh, if you've got something on your heart you're struggling with, you need help with, that's what we're here for as a body, to help one another, to, get through, to help them get through those things and to move on unto, unto perfection in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to open it up. First of all, uh, does anybody have something, uh, a special need or something in, uh, that they may have? And at the end of the service, I would like uh, also those that have physical needs I'd like to anoint with oil. You can come forward, you know, call for the elders of the church, come forward and be prayed for if there's any physical needs as well. So does anybody have something on their heart this morning? Praise the Lord. Well, I'm just going to just, you know, it's a praise report that I don't feel bad anymore. Praise the Lord. Yeah, thank you. I'm grateful for that because it was uh, really a bad deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, amen. Uh, I just want to praise God and say that, you know, I'm very yeah, all of us went through some uh, bouts with uh, COVID, and we are all well now. Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, so I just always want to exalt God and what He's done in my life. Amen. So, um, and that, that, that is a very reasonable service of ours as well. Uh, also, uh, I went and picked up Todd Rio yesterday. From, uh, he went to detox over in Abbeville, Louisiana, and I brought him to the Hope Center, which is a 28-day uh, program. And, and I, you know, I just shared Scripture, and I shared, I shared my heart with him. I don't know that it was received very well. He was on a lot of medication from the detox. But, you know, you care about these people. You want them to make the right decisions. And, and I kind of felt like this wasn't like a uh, somebody didn't pressure him to go get, go get help in this. He, um, he just kind of he made the decision on his own. And so uh, I wanted to be there for him. 
Hopefully it'll do like the prodigal son and come, come to his senses and really turn to, to the Lord with a real godly sorrow and repentance, with a real desire for the Lord. That's our hope. Amen. Um, uh, uh, is anyone else has something on their heart? Uh, I want to open it up. Uh, Latia, if you want to speak, uh, we, we'd love to hear from you. If you have something on your heart that you, need, you may need some help with, we want to hear from you. Uh, anybody else on there? Um, that you'd like to hear from, uh, that we'd like to hear from and, and help you. So anyone else have something before we go forward? Richard and Jennifer both have COVID and, and they had fevers of 102 yesterday. Mm-hmm. Kind of want to lift them up with spiritually and, uh, and, and... Yeah, because they've received the word from me somewhat. Yeah, so that's a blessing. Yeah, that's a blessing. Amen. All right. Okay. What a blessing. Um... Seth, it's good to see you here with us today, you and your family, and uh, friend Ronaldo, welcome. Uh, good to have you guys as well. Uh, everybody welcome. So uh, I want to, first of all, I want to um, turn to the book of, <clears throat> of, first, of Romans, the book of Romans. I want to talk today, and before I do, I want to go a little bit of a review from last week. <clears throat> I heard a lot of... Um, Comment from the from the, from what we talked about last week, which last week was a very, uh, very important subject matter that we talked about, and what it was, uh, the subject matter was um, uh, was who sh- who should you hang around, uh, what kind of fellowship you should be having, um, and what the Lord has called you out from, and we talked about that. Uh, we went through uh, one of the major, major verses, two majors was one in Second Corinthians chapter. Um, chapter 6 and also in, um, in the book of um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we talked about that uh, Jesus said, uh, the, the Paul said, the Lord saying, Jesus saying through Paul, to um, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And as we went through that and, and digested that and seen just what it was said, uh, who an unbeliever really was, was someone that was not believing the gospel, someone that was not overcoming the world, because he says, because First John says, he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God overcomes the world. A lot of people say they believe that Jesus is, that Jesus is the Son of God, they believe in Jesus, but they're not overcoming the world. Then, then you don't, you're not really believing, because if you really believe it, you're going to be overcoming the world, because you're going to be living for the Lord. You're going to have gone through your godly sorrow and repentance and believe the Lord. So we're not the fellowship, the Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. He says, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And we defined that last week of what, what righteousness. How do we know if we're righteous? Anyone? Okay, can you give me a scripture for that? 1 John 3, 7 and 8. What does it say there? It says, be not deceived. In other words, a person could deceive themselves. This is a scripture that you all should know and should really understand because it's so important. A lot of people today will say, well, I'm righteous because of Jesus. I'm righteous because of his blood and what he did. But the Bible defines who's really righteous and who's really not righteous. In 1 John 3, 7, it says, be not deceived. In other words, don't think you're righteous if you're not. For he that doeth or he that does righteousness is righteous as Christ is righteous. 
So the only one that's righteous, according to the scripture, is the one that's doing righteousness. If you say, well, I'm righteous because of Jesus, and you really want to believe that, then, then you're going to be doing righteousness. You're not going to be sinning, because the very next verse, verse 8 says, that he that doesn't do righteousness, he that sins is what? Is of the devil. So you can't be of the devil and of the Lord too. You're going to be either doing righteousness and be, and be righteous, or you're going to be doing sin and being of the devil. You can't drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devil too. So going back to 2 Corinthians 6, we talked about, it goes further in there. And it says, what fellowship does a believer have with an unbeliever? There's no fellowship there. And he goes on and on. What fellowship does light have with darkness? Does sin have with, with righteousness? There's no fellowship there. So what does the Lord command to do about that? He says to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Separate yourself from this. Separate yourself from those people. He said, come out from among me separate, and then what? And then he says, and then I will receive you. Will he receive you before that if you're still hanging out with the world? No, he doesn't receive you. He says, if you come out from among them, then I will receive you, and I will be your God, and I will be your Father, and you shall be my sons and my daughters. And then he says, therefore, let us cleanse ourselves from all the fire of flesh and blood. Uh, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Then he goes into second, into First Corinthians chapter five, and Paul, the same writer of First Corinthians, there says to them, he says, "There's a there's there's this fornicator that's in the church. He's committing sexual immorality. He gives instruction what to do with this fellow. He says, rather than than being sorrowful over it, you seem to be glory in it. He had trouble with the Corinthian church. They would continue to go back into carnality." A lot, of the, a lot of them in there. Some were walking in holiness, and those were the ones he was really preaching to, but a lot of them were going back, and they were really messing up. And he said, just a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump. He said, just, that, just keeping that one person around that's living in, a, in immorality, living in sexual perversion, and you're hanging out with them, it's going to corrupt the whole thing. We talked about it. If you take a rotten apple and you put it with a bunch of good apples, Terry, what happens? Get a bunch of rotten apples. He says, so what did he say? Expel, put that wicked person away from you. But when he was talking about this, he began to say, he said, I wrote into you in another pistol, not the company with fornicators or, or covetous or idolaters. He says, but yet not all together, for then you would have to go out of the world because you have to buy things, you have to go to the store, you have to do different things and conduct your business. He says, but yet if one that, it calls, that is called a brother one that says they're a Christian and is a fornicator or an idolater or any of these sins that he talked about here, he says, don't even eat with such a one. Don't socialize with them. And I asked last week, I said, what are you, what are you doing hanging out with people that are not, you know, and I asked the question, it says, help me if you think that I'm missing something here, and I'll say it again to you. Help me if you think I'm missing something here in that why are, why are people that are calling themselves believers hanging out with the world other than to share the gospel and get away from them? You know, the, the Bible's very, very explicit on that. From Genesis to Revelation, he talks about that. He told the children of Israel, don't intermarry with those that were not, of the, not, not the Israelites, not the people of God. Don't hang out with them. Don't be part of them. Come out from among them. And he says, I will receive you, and God receiving us. But today, any, any questions so far about any of that? Anybody have any comment on that from last week? Okay, we're clear. Then, 
then everyone should be walking with their brethren every day. Everyone should be fellowshipping with their brethren every day. Every day. And I'm going to, sh I'm going to show you that. I'm going to prove that to you in Scripture. We talked last week about who not to fellowship with. And this week I want to talk about who to fellowship with. Okay? I want to talk about uh, what the church is really made up of. I want to start off in the book of Romans, chapter 1, and I want to pay attention to, as we go through these books, I want you to pay attention to who the books are written to, okay? Who are they written to? But before I do that, I want to define the church. I want to define who the church is. Is the church some building out there that you go to and gather with a bunch of people uh, some people call it a school for sinners. Uh, is, that the, is that the church? Anyone? No, we, we, are, we are the church. Okay. We, we meaning who? The body of Christ. Um, and you have like some that are called to be pastors and some that are bishops. And then we are the church. Ephesians chapter 5. It's called the Ecclesia, uh, the, the Ecclesia, uh, Ecclesia or already, uh, I was thinking this morning, in the Greek, it's, talk, it's talking about a, a body of believers, a body of those that are walking in holiness. Ephesians 5 says that the Lord is coming back for a church that is spotless, without wrinkle, blameless. The church never was to be a school for sinners. It was to be a society of saints, where saints came together and, and heard the word of God and were ministered to the word of God and exhorted and encouraged one another. The church was, was not a school for sinners, which, what, which is what we have today out there a lot. They're thinking, well, you've saved in your sin, so we're just going to try to bring you along in your sin. No, it's not a school for sinners. Sinner, a sin is to stop. As a Christian, sin stops. Like Galatians 5.24 says, those that are Christ, those that are Christians, have crucified the affections uh, and, and, the, and the passions of sin of, of the flesh. They have done it. It's not something they're doing in the future. This is something everyone must go through in order to become a Christian. A Christian is not someone that still is sinning. That's not a Christian. That's an unbeliever. But a Christian is someone who has ceased from sin, as the Bible says in Galatians 5.24 that we just, we just talked about. Remember Jesus said in Hebrews 5.9, He is the author of eternal salvation to all those that obey Him. Obedience is necessary for salvation. So there's godly sorrow, repentance, and salvation. Go ahead, Brother Eric. <clears throat> yeah, this is so important because it, it, it um, relates to the simplicity of our salvation, this word church. As Don said, uh, ecclesia, ecclesia, however ecclesia. Yeah. But in your studies, in our studies, in my studies, it's always good to have definitions of these original words. And ecclesia in Greek means the called out ones. That's really simple. Well, it, it leads to the question, called out from what? <laughs> You're called out from darkness. Amen, brother. From sin. Amen. You put to death the old man. And all of us that are part of the body of Christ have done that. <clears throat> Amen. Thank you. Uh, and, and I wanted to clarify that because I want to, I want to give an understanding through the scriptures. I want the word of God to be able to teach us this morning through the Holy Spirit of the importance of the church. And I want to show you who these letters were written to. They were not written 
to individuals. The only time they were written to an individual is if that individual was a pastor or an elder to, to go forth and correct things in the church. But these scriptures, these, these books were written to saints, to the church, to those that were sanctified. They weren't written to heathens. They weren't written to people with, with, that were still in sin. They were written for, to, to people that were saints of God, that were set apart, that were walking in holiness. So let's look at, first of all, Romans chapter 1. It says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised, promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scripture concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power, according to, to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations, for his name, among whom are you also called of Jesus Christ, to, and this is who he's writing it to, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be what? Saints. Grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So who's, who's Paul writing to? He's called to the saints. He's writing to the saints in Rome. Now I want you to go to Romans. Let's go out to the last chapter. Last chapter is chapter 16 of Romans. And he speaks here as he's closing out to give another illustration of who he's talking to and who, he's, and who is part of this that he has spoken to. He says in verse 1 of chapter 16, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sincera. So he's talking to the church. He's talking to one, a servant here. He says, I commend unto you to that you should receive her in the Lord as a become a saint. And that you assist her, assist her in whatsoever business she had need of, for she has been a, a secure of many, a help of many, and of myself also. Greek Priscilla and Aquila, my, help, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for them my life laid down her own necks unto them. Only I give thanks, but also the church, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. So he's writing to the churches. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. We have church in our house as we're having right now, with uh, YouTube, with Skype, we're having church as a fellowship. A salute, my beloved Epaphroditus, who is the fruit, first fruit of Acacia unto Christ. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles who are, were of Christ before me. So he goes on and he talks about verse 9, salute Urban, our fellow, uh, fellow helper, our helper in Christ, uh, my beloved, and he's just going and he's thanking all of those who are part of the church. Now, Corinthians, let's go to the next book, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul writes, Paul called to be an apostle of, the, of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified. Who's he writing to? Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified, to them that are, are holy, without sin, in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all in every place, call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. So I want you to get the gist of this that, that he's talking to here on, in all these letters. I want to start at verse 13 of chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians. He says, watch, Jill. These cords. Need a towel. Verse 13 says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. 
Let all things be done with love. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, of Stephanus, that it, that it is the first fruit of Acacia and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Wow. You know, you, you went from being maybe an addict before of drugs or something else or alcohol. Now you are to be addicted to the ministry of the saints, of helping other brethren, he talks about here. That you submit yourselves unto such and everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. So he's talking about now, and he says this also in Ephesians 5, to submit yourselves one to another as brethren, as being the church of God. Verse 19, and the churches of Asia salute you, Aquila and Priscilla salute you, much in Lord, with the church that is in their house. So they had church in their house. That's where church was. All the brethren greet you, greet you to one another with a holy kiss. Now, 2 Corinthians, we're there. Look at this. Verse, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church, unto who? The church of God, which is in Corinth with all the saints which are in Acacia. Okay, let's go to Galatians. Chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, to all the brethren which are with me in the churches of Galatia. So who is he writing to? To the churches of Galatia. I'm trying to make a point here, so hold on and just bear with me. But I want to go through these things. Go to uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Um, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the what? To the saints which are at Ephesus. Again, to the church of Ephesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of these. Philippians. Chapter 1, Paul and Timothy, the service of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. So he's writing to the saints again and to the bishops and to the deacons that are at the church of Philippi. Um, go to um, Colossians. Chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, as our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. He's writing to the faithful brethren. He's writing to saints, those that are holy, which are at Coloss. Grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now go to Colossians chapter 4. He admonishes the church here. And he says here... Um, Verse 7, all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you who is the beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your heart. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things that are done here. And to, and to Carcus, my fellow prisoner, saluted you, Marcus, sisters, sons of Barnabas, touching whom you received commandment. If he come unto you, receive him. And he goes on and on about those that are laboring, verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluted you, always a, a laboring fervently for you in prayers. Who is he praying for? For the church, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are Laodicea, and, and them in, in Heropolis, 
Uh, Luke, the uh, beloved physician, and Demas uh, is greeting you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphus, and the church which is, which is in his house. There's the church in the house again. So somebody would say, well, you can't have church in the house. All these churches we're reading about are in the house. All, but they're churches, and they're talking about exhorting and encouraging one another and, and lifting each other up because they're the church. Look at the First Thessalonians chapter 1. Who's he writing to there? Paul and Silvanus and Sympathias unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you, and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So every one of these he's writing to the church. Uh, verse Chapter 5 of, of 1 Thessalonians, he says there in verse 12, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So he said, know them, those that are, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. So you're part of the body. And that's what I'm trying to show is the body ministry here. Second Thessalonians, last, time, last book we'll go to on this. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians. So he's saying again, I'm writing to the church of the Thessalonians. Um, and again, if you, the close of the chapter, you see him talking to the church. This is the point I want to make, and I'm going to go through this. This is not a one-man show. This is not a Lone Ranger show where you walk in the Lord by yourself. Some people feel like, well, I don't really need to be at church. I don't really need to um, you know, have fellowship. I don't really need anybody. All I need is the Lord. I don't need anybody else. That's not what the Bible says. As you see, they weren't writing letters to individuals. They were writing letters to churches, to the saints. Because the body of Christ is not made up of one member. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians 12. Look at this. Verse 14. The body is not one member, but many. If you are, we are the body of Christ, it's not made up of just you. And that's a, that's a wrong way of, of thinking. Because the body is made up of many members. You cannot get, be complete as the body if you're only an arm. Or if you're only a an ear. But the body needs the whole thing together in order to function properly, of which Christ is the head of the body. <clears throat> Look at verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. He's given different gifts, different ministrations to each person in the body. That's why it's so important that we have body ministry, that we hear from each other. Because you have something to input. You are part of that body and you are needed. He says, but verse 20, but now are they, are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye, verse 21, and the eye cannot say unto the hand, I don't need you. Nor again the head to the feet, I don't need you. Cut off your arms and see, wow, I could have really used those arms. Pretty awkward uh, going around, you know, without arms to be able to get around. 
But you don't see your condition when you're all alone. You're not, you're not complete when you're all alone because you have need of the body. And I wanted to emphasize this because this is so important. I see people come in and go out, come in and go out. And some of them just on their own. We see these YouTube people and these people, they're long rangers. They're like, I don't need anybody else. Listen to me. Just listen to me. I got it. You know, if you, it's one thing, if you don't have it, if you're like an Elijah and there's nobody else following the Lord, that's one thing. And be it known that there's not many of us in the earth that really believe the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but there are a few of us. And as a few of us, we need to see the importance of being with one another and exhorting one another, and that's what we're talking about. But he says here in verse 22, No, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are, like, are more necessary. You might think that you're insignificant in the body of Christ. You may think that you don't have anything to import or to give. You may think that you don't know much. It doesn't matter. You're more necessary than the other ones that seem to be more uh, 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 useful. That's why I would say, so man, I need you. I need you in my life. I need your exhortation. I need your encouragement. I need to hear from you. Because we need one another. Verse 24, for our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Praise the Lord. And whether one member suffer, if you hit, if you hit you, if you're out there nailing Terry and you, and you hit your thumb with a hammer, does it hurt? Absolutely. So if one, one part of that member hurts, somebody in the, in, in, in the fellowship is hurting, what do you do? I'm going to hurt with them. If they rejoice, I'm going to rejoice with them. Man, if they got a job promotion, if they got something happened to them, man, I'm glad for you, man. I'm not envious. I'm glad for you. If you're hurting, man, I'm going to be in prayer for you. I'm going to be seeking the Lord for you. I'm going to be praying for you. Because why? Because you're part of me. You're part of my body. You're part of Christ's body. We're part of one another. It's time to start thinking that way. That you're not on your own. That you need one another. That you need the body. And when it, you know what? When it's time to have fellowship, whether it's on Skype or YouTube or here at the house, I'm there. Count me in. Why? Because that's my body. I need to be with the rest of my body. I need to be in that fellowship with, with one another. Go with me to Romans chapter 12. Go ahead, Eric. Thank you. This is um, yes, part of the uh, characteristic of a saint. One of the most important things is following Christ and what he did. He gave his life up for us. And we're to do the same. So throughout the Bible and the Word, it talks about Considering yourself, considering others more significant than yourself. That's the reason I need all of you to help me, as you should just the opposite. Amen. It's so important. We've got to rely on one another as this body. I, I, I wanted to say also, just preface to the idea of the body, uh, Brother Don, was in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, it gives a really good distinction about 
who the members are. In the very first few verses, I'll just read one or two, verse 3, chapter 10, 1 Corinthians. And did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So it's so important that all of us are in the same frame of mind, uh, in one accord. Amen. Amen. Good word. Good word, Eric. Yeah, Eric called me this week. That's a good example. He called me up this week and um, just called to encourage and exhort, and uh, it, it's just a blessing. I talk to Wes uh, just about every day. I talk to Cedric every day, and I talk. I get to talk to my wife all day long, so that's a blessing. I talk to Don because I, I talk to Ben every day. You know, uh, a lot of you, but I, I want to hear from you more of you, you know, and you need to hear from each other. You know, to encourage and exhort in the Lord. We need that, guys. That's what the Bible, the Bible says we need it. The Bible says we need it. Guess what? We need it. It's part of our lives. Brother Wes? Yeah, I'm just going to say, even though, like, your natural body even works uh, in regards to, like, fighting off sickness, it's, your body works as a whole to mm, fight off that sickness, um, just like it would be if, uh, like First Corinthians chapter five, like Paul, Paul says, when you're gathered together with my spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, judge such a one, excommunicate them. Jesus took, taught the same concept um, in regards to go to them individually. If not, bring another brother. If they don't receive it, be, you know, with, from you or another brother, then bring them before the body. Um, so uh, there's two responsibilities. You see this even in the book of Revelation. Uh, Jesus addresses all seven churches. Five of them were unfaithful, but he's but he's laying the responsibility on the messenger of the church or the elders. But then he's also laying the responsibility upon the church as a whole. And that's why Paul would say, when you're gathered together, judge such a one as a church, because a little leaven lends the whole lump. You know, make the whole of the body. Um, you know, so the body works together to keep the body pure Amen. and holy and righteous as saints. And so that's why the body is needed because, you know, the mind has to tell the rest of the body what to do to fight off sickness or to fight off sin, if you want to say, from the body to purge it out, that you would be a new lump, not, not you know, not leavened with, with hypocrisy and sin. <clears throat> So, um, in to tie in with last week, just a little something, oh, yeah. um, in, in, the, in the Old Testament, um, keeping the body holy kind of deal, but in the Old Testament, uh, Samuel came to Saul, it's in Samuel, 1 Samuel, I think 15 or something, but he comes to Saul and he tells him to, uh, uh, to kill all the Amalekites. So it's kind of the same concept of what we went over last week, but it also deals with, um, how uh, the seven churches, they had a lot of good things that they were doing that were good. And so Jesus would deal with, hey, these things that you're doing that are good. But with Saul, when, he, when, when Samuel told Saul to kill all the Amalekites, um, you know, he, he spared Agag. He said he kept all the, the best of the sheep and stuff. But it says everything that was worthless and despised, he killed. And that's what a, the, they they kill a lot of the things in life that 
uh, you know, something that they loved. Like the rich young ruler obeyed all the commandments from his youth, but there was one thing that he lacked. And so us as Poppy, we have to utterly kill all the things in the body, keeps the body pure, just like the seven, the five churches. You did some good things, but this is what I have against you, and the body is what attacks those things, like, like the white blood cells in a body, to purge it out. And so, so we have to do that as a body, I guess is what I'm trying to say, and it takes all of us to do it. I mean, a good illustration, Wes, thank you. Uh, go with me to Romans chapter 12, Paul is writing there, and he's speaking of the same kind of things like he spoke of in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as far as the body ministry here. And he, he goes and he starts in verse 4, we'll go down to verse 4, um, and he says, for as many as have... Uh, is for as we have many members, many parts in the body, in one body, okay, all, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. See, there's a connection there. The body is to be connected, that we're members one of another. You're not on your own. These people that think, well, you know, I can just... Skip fellowship, uh, you know, and, and they'll get this mentality like, uh, I'm coming to fellowship for me. And if I can't get what I want for me, I'm not interested, you know, because it's about me. And you see, that's not body ministry. Body ministry is like, I'm not coming, I'm not here for me this morning. I'm here to be with my brethren. I'm here to help my brethren. I'm here to rejoice with those who rejoice. I'm here to weep with those who weep. I'm here to, to minister to the ability that God has given me to help my brethren, to be an encouragement. Uh, we, want, we want to be where we're helping, we're here for one another. Yeah, Ben? I was going to say, um, it's a perfect illustration because most of the world, that is the perception, that is the way they see it. It's the opposite of how we're trying to live our life, or not trying. That's the, way, that's the opposite of how I live my life, is my life is about others. It's not about me. That's right. But for, for so long, 40 years, it was all about me. What you could do for and, me. And, and, and if I'm going, I don't feel like I'm getting fed. And I'm, not, I'm not getting nothing out of it. And I, and I, and I. <coughs> exactly. And, 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 until you truly crucify the flesh, because that's what that is, I'm going to do everything opposite of what this body you know, wants to do. It's not about me. What can I go and... and, and and contribute to kind of help somebody else. But until you have that repentance, change of mind, 180 degrees away from that, it's still all about you. And I was talking to a guy this morning about that. And that's that's the issue. He hasn't crucified the flesh. He'll talk a great game, but really the fruits of his life are the opposite of the stuff he said. So really what you're saying, good word, is that it's basically most of it, most people do it out of selfishness. It's, at, well, and it's about self. It. It's about self. It. Right. They, they, no, they think they're doing the good thing. That's right. Well, if they go do it, it's about, well, I'm going to do this so that other people can see and it's a good work. I want them to see. And the motive behind it. Or, or you know, some people even do it, it thinking, well, they're doing God a favor. You know, I'm doing God a favor. You know, I'm or, going to church this morning. God's bless me if I go yeah, God, or I'm going to get something out of it. Yeah, something yeah, about yeah. me. The, which is the opposite of a Christian life. The, uh, the Christian life in itself is that 
uh, one of the most famous verses to me that always stuck to me so hardly was, for, was Luke 9, 23. If any man will come after me, and we were talking about this morning, Cedric, let him deny himself and, and what? Forget about himself and take up his cross daily and follow me, for he will what? He will lose his life. But if he loses his life for my sake, he'll truly be saved. Most people don't want to lose their life. So they want to see what you can give them to make them feel better, to make their life better, whatever. Yeah, Cedric? Can you break that down? Most people don't want to lose their life. Because some people, when they think of losing their life, they're thinking about, okay, you know, you know I've lost my life already. Well, really, have you? Yeah. you know, are you considering other people? Are you considering other people's conscience? You know what I mean? Are you considering um, the different things that other people may be convicted of that you're not? You know what I mean? Like, have you really lost your life? You know, are you considering these other people? Are you considering the weak? Are you considering the poor? You know, are you studying for other people? Are mm. you praying for other people? Have you really lost your life? Mm, that's how, body how, ministry, how much, yeah. How much time are you spending in prayer for your brother? Have you really lost your life? Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? How much time are you in worship? Have you really lost your life? Because it's not about you. Your time, your financials, all these things are be to be given for those who are in need. Amen, now. that's good, you know, brother. Your time is to be given to the Lord now. You know, so our pleasure is no longer for ourselves, but for those who are in need, for, for those who the Lord, you know, have us to, to, to minister to, to help, to assist. Like, our time should be spent, and how much time can we, we spend in the Word to, to be able to minister to my brother Ben, to be able to minister to my brother Don? You know, but if I'm not spending <coughs> time in, in prayer or, or spending time in the Word, how can I be an assistance to him because my opinion is worthless? Amen. Amen. You know, a lot of people will say, <coughs> well, I, I got to keep the Sabbath. And they'll, they'll, they'll try to go and, and go back to the law when we have a new covenant. And we talked about that the other day with Matt's own, uh, about the new covenant. And we're not under the old, old covenant, but we're under a new covenant, which we are, we, Jesus is that Sabbath. But, but just to, you just reminded me of something, Cedric. In, in Isaiah chapter 58, uh, I, want to, I want to bring out a scripture there that talks about what the real Sabbath is. Now, we are to keep the real Sabbath every day. And if you're not doing this, you are in sin. Somebody said, well, do you keep the Sabbath? I said, absolutely. I keep it every day of my life. I keep the Sabbath. Because look at what the Lord says is the Sabbath in Isaiah 58. Talk about losing your life. He says, verse 13, If thou turn away thy foot, from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day. Now, what's his holy day? His holy day is every day now. Turn, turn from doing thy pleasure. You're not doing your pleasure anymore. No. Your life is over. It's not about you. It's not about me. That's right. It's about doing God's will. It's about forsaking. For, he says, um, Luke 14, 28, unless a man forsake all that he has, he can't be my disciple. Unless a man loses life, he can't have life. Unless the, the old man dies and the new man rises. This is what it's talking about. You've, Sabbath is resting alone when you're not doing your pleasure anymore. The holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him. Not doing your own ways. No, it's not about your way anymore. It's about God's way. Not finding your own pleasure. It's not about making yourself feel good and making it. Some people think, I heard one person say, Cedric, he said, well, I'm, I'm just working to get everything paid off so I don't have to work anymore. And then I, I, I have that out the way and all my bills will be paid so I can just relax. 
That's, that's so, what are you talking about? The Bible says we're not working to pay off everything so we can just relax. The Bible says we work with our hands so that what? So that we can have to give to those that are in need. It's about body ministry. And some of you guys are big givers. I see that. Some of you, I just go, wow, you're such big givers. But some others don't give anything to the ministry. They just don't give anything. Because they're doing their their own pleasure. They want to take care of their own deal. Well, one day I'll be free to preach or something. So I'm, I'm hoarding up all my money so I can take care of that. Forget that. You can preach with your job. You can preach at your job. You can preach wherever you're at. God can work all that out the way he wants to. You do what the scripture says to do. It's not about doing what you think or what your pleasure is. Look what he says. And call the Sabbath a delight. You know what David said? I love the commandments of God and the statutes of God. And one time he hated them, the Bible says, when he sinned against Uriah, the Hittite. But then he came in the book of Psalms and says, I love the commandments of God. I delight myself in the law of the Lord. I delight myself in doing his will and not doing my own anymore. I delight myself in the Sabbath, the holy of the Lord, honorable and shall honor him, not doing, my, doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. You're not even to speak your own words, guys. Jesus said, I say nothing except the Father say it through me. He said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which edifies the hearers. So how do you do that? Well, the Bible says to study, to be quiet and to do your own business. The Bible says to be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. The Bible says even a fool is thought wise if he hold his tongue. Because why? Because I'm going to wait. I'm going to let the Lord speak through me. I'm not, not even going to speak my own words. The Lord, do, That's resting in the Lord. That's letting the Lord have his way. But it's all about the body. And those were good words that you said, Cedric. Really, really powerful. Because it's, it's about that new life in Christ. You've got to get out of that thinking of what's best for me. What's convenient for me? What do I want out of life? What, what, all this, get out of all that. This is what you want. The Word of God. Man, you don't live by bread alone. What are you living by? By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I think that the scripture, seek you first the kingdom of heaven. And every, and, and go ahead and tell me. Yeah, Matthew 6.33, uh, seek you first the kingdom of heaven. It really well with where we're at right now, what, you, what we're, we're teaching. Yeah, get first you things first. Get First things first. That's why I know you say the same thing a lot, and we, we're not moving any forward because we're seeing some things the Lord's exposing that things aren't. It says you have start to be dealt with in the church. That's right. You start first. But here's here's another thing, and I want I want you to think about this because it's kind of just it's very revealed to me that that a lot of people they, they do some good works because they feel like it, it covers their bad and good. It's like a about, I'm gonna do that because the Lord's gonna, He's gonna forgive me for you know it's not a true repentance and, and really that's worthless because without repentance you have well that the, the, a good illustration was what Wes brought up a while ago when he talked about about Saul uh, the, the Lord said Saul go forth kill all the Amalekites don't leave any of them the king everything all the animals everything well what did he do he didn't kill them all. He brought back the best of the sheep and the oxen and brought back the king Ahag, Agag of, of, of the Amalekites. 
And, 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 and then Samuel, the, the prophet, comes to him, the judge, he comes to him, he says, uh, why didn't you, did you obey the Lord? Saul says, yeah, I obeyed the Lord. I did what he said. What did he says, what's this bleeding I hear in my ears? What's this bleeding of the sheep? He said, well, I, uh, the people, uh, they, they wanted me to hold those and we could offer them to the Lord. Offer them to the Lord? You didn't obey God? He goes on and he says, and he says you spared them? You, didn't, you did not? He said, yeah, I obeyed the Lord. I did with the Lord. I conquered the Amalekites, man. I did it. He says, no. And you spared Agag, the king? We well, yeah, spared the best that they had for the Lord. He says, you did not obey the Lord. He kept arguing with Samuel, saying, yes, I did obey the Lord. He says, no, you didn't. He says, to obey is better than sacrifice. Obey is better than sacrifice. He wouldn't walk in that obedience. So he took it. So you know what he did to Agag? Agag. Kind of picture of, of what the old man is, of, of the old self. Kind of picture of him. He spared him. He didn't want to kill his, he didn't want to lose his life. That's what Agag represents to me. So, so Samuel says, bring, it, bring Agag, bring him up here. And Agag comes up there, he's kind of dancing, and you know, like, oh, surely the bitterness is de of death is past. It's all okay now. You're not thinking about killing me now. And Samuel took the sword. And he said, just like you killed others and their children. And he sliced him to pieces before them all. Because that's how the old man, that's how your old self has to be killed. How about a sword by the word of God and slice it up. Don't hold on to your life at all. Give it to the Lord and walk in the Lord. Yeah, Wes? Yeah, like at 59, and I think, or was it 58? What? It was 15. You were in 58? About the, or 59 about the fast, the Lord has chosen. Oh, 58, Isaiah 58. Yeah, so <coughs> even that, like, as you, you fast to strike with the fist of wickedness, and really that's, you know, they weren't thinking about the body, and Isaiah's obviously pointing that out. It's, it's really to strike with the fist of wickedness to get on top. So, and, and what we're dealing with here is the body is what purges the, the rest of the unleaven or the hypocrisy or the things that are corrupt within the body, this is, this is where it lays responsibility not just on an elder or not just on elders or bishops or deacons. <coughs> it lays responsibility upon the body. And that's really uh, what I think that you're, you're driving at is that we need each other. Yes. And you see this, this concept even in Jude because, and you, and you brought up like to those who are sanctified. You know, Judas talking about these people because why? Because certain men have crept in secretly. They've crept in unnoticed, you know, and so uh, they, they, they crept in and, and Judas telling them to earnestly contend for the faith as a body, not just one individual. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because one could look at the leader yeah. and be like, hey, I'm just following, you know, a leader, or I'm just following Don, or I'm just following Wes, or just whoever, Matt, or anybody in the body that can just be like, I'm just following them. No, everybody has to seek God for themselves and earnestly contend for themselves to purge the body, because it's not only the leaders that are corrupt that are going to be judged, but it's going to be the body, because they keep up for themselves teachers 
having itching ears. And so in Jude, it tells them what to do. It says, it says that, they, they, that these people, these are spots in verse 12, in Jude verse 12, these are spots in your love feast while they feast with you without mm-hmm. fear, serving only themselves. So that's what they're doing. They're striking with the fist of wickedness to get on top. They're serving only themselves. They're clouds without rain. Um, but it says, verse 16 goes on to talk about these same people. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according <coughs> to their own lust. And they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. So then there are these people that are gaining advantage amongst you because mm-hmm. they're drawing attention to themselves by what? Saying that they're fasting, saying that they're giving their whole life, but they're really not giving their whole life. They're serving only themselves, but he lays the responsibility on the body in verse 20, uh, verse 22 of Jude. It says, and on some have compassion, talking to the body, making the distinction. Mm-hmm. Verse 23 says, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire and even and hating even the garments defiled by the flesh. See, that's what the body has to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's the that what that is what is earnestly contending for the faith. The body purges out the leaven, and that's why we need each other to keep the body pure. Yeah, when we're reading 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we were reading about the, he was writing to the church of Corinth, one of the things that he told them, he said, I want to stir you up. I want to stir up the gift that's in I want to stir you up to be more fired up for the Lord. Let me tell you something. A lot of people get their focus out of, out of, on the wrong things. They get their focus on, maybe they got their focus on COVID or vaccines. I see that a lot today. And they're getting their focus off of Jesus Christ. They're getting their focus off of the ministry, off of, off of what's important, the preaching repentance. And all they're doing is just talking about COVID and talking about vaccines. That's not our focus. That's not what we're to be focused on. We're to be focused on what the Word of God says, on saving people and helping people to walk in Him and make it to the kingdom of God. So what if I take a vaccine and it kills me and I go to heaven? What's so bad about that? That doesn't, that doesn't move me. I don't care about that. I'm not looking for this life. I'm not trying to see how long I'm going to live here on this earth. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker has got it. I assume you're doing the same thing. That I take it joy to depart from this body and be with the Lord, as Paul said. It's much better. I'm not trying to preserve it. I'm not trying to focus on these things, on these social media things and all these different junk out there. Focus on the Word of God. Spend that time in God's Word. Spend that time with your brethren. All these different things. Not a taking care of this thing here, focusing on this flesh, who I could have for me, find my right mate, do all this kind of stuff. Man, be content in whatever state you're in. Be satisfied with what the Lord has. Don't risk going out there and getting fellowship with somebody who's not loving Jesus and not sinning. Leave that alone. Touch not the unclean thing. They're unclean. Touch not the unclean thing, saith the Lord. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 12. If there's not a local fellowship, Seth just asked this. He says, what do I do if, I, if there's no local fellowship? You're doing it. Get on Skype. Get on there with us. We are a local, we are a fellowship. God has enabled it because there's so few in the earth. He has enabled it to us to be able to have a media or, or technology that we can actually fellowship with one another. Come visit. You're welcome to come be with us. Visit us. 
Be part of us. We want you to be part of the body. We are all part of the body of Jesus Christ. We may not be sitting in the same We are basically sitting in the same living room right now. The technology has made it that way. So we're thankful to be part of, to have that. But we want you to come visit with us. We want to come visit with you. We want to have fellowship. That's the most important thing to us. Amen? Amen. Romans chapter 12. Verse 5, so we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. So we're connected. Hey, we got a connection, guys. We're connected. We're to be connected. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to pro proportion of faith or ministry. Let us wait on our ministry or in teaching, on teaching. Or he that exhorteth us on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation. Like there's no difference in love. My love is strong for you, just like it's strong for you, just like it's strong for you. It's not different. It's not, it's not pulled down one. Well, I don't love that guy so much, so I'm not going to fellowship with him any. No, we love one another without dissimulation. He says, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another. Now go with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews is uh, in, in chapter, actually we're going to go to chapter uh, 3. Chapter 3 first. Uh, Hebrews is talking to uh, the, the Israel at, in chapter 3, and he's talking about how they, they missed it. They, they went all the way through the wilderness, uh, Cedric. They were called to enter into the promised land, and they missed it. They, they, their hearts grew cold. They didn't listen to the Lord. They began to rationalize things and think things out for themselves. They were living in the realm of self. And they missed the blessing. They didn't make it. And, and here, here the writer of Hebrews is telling you what to do so that you don't miss it. He says, to hear the word of God, to harden not your hearts in the day of provocation, but to hear what the Lord says. Now this is one of the things the Lord is saying here in verse 12. Take heed, brethren. In other words, listen to this closely. Take heed to what I'm about to say. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, in departing from the living God. This is going to help you. Not to depart. To take heed to what he's saying. And this is what he says. Here you go. Ready for it? But exhort one another. Once a week? Twice a How week. often? <laughs> My Bible says daily. That's right. How often is that? That's every day. You mean I need to be with my brother or talking to my brother? You should be on the phone with somebody. we got technology right now. You can do it. Every day you should be talking to a brother or a sister in the Lord and, and encouraging them and them encouraging you. Just like Eric called me this week. Just like Cedric called me this week. Just like Ben called me this week. All these call me. Yes, yes, Sister Jill, my wife. <laughs> and, and yeah, that's a good point, Jill. I'm glad you brought that up. Brandon went to visit his family in North Carolina. And instead of going home, I know he's ready to get home, he stopped here. And he visited us for a day. Uh, Cedric and him went out to eat, did different things, and he came by here, and he spent a lot of time with us. And he knew that he was running short on time, but he said, you know what, i got to stop and see my brethren. Brandon, thank you for that. That meant so much to us. I appreciate that, Brandon. It really blessed us to have him. So he went out of his way to, to encourage, to exhort, to be encouraged, to see how we live. You know, and watch our lives, you know, for a little while. So it was great to have Brandon this week. What a blessing. All of you, come on. <laughs> 
Hey, Matt. <laughs> I, was wondering, I was wondering where you were. <laughs> hey, Right. They're building, they're going to be part of it for sure. But you see this emphasis everywhere in what Jesus preached. And in 